Hello, I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this is Arizona Science. With me today is Sam Gralla, assistant professor of physics at the University of Arizona. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. In the last few weeks, we've heard a lot about gravitational waves and LIGO. Could you give us just a brief introduction to what that is? Sure. A hundred years ago, Einstein predicted that violent events in the universe would generate ripples in space-time, tiny ripples that propagate out and would reach Earth and perhaps could be detected. Einstein never dreamed of detecting them, but now, a hundred years later, LIGO, which stands for the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Observatory, has detected them. It's a fantastic achievement. One of the things that you work on is general relativity, and there's been a lot of discussion over the last few weeks about gravitational waves. So what's the big deal about uh, what LIGO was discovering? Well, gravitational waves are a big deal because they're a totally new way of looking at the universe. It's much more like ears and hearing rather than eyes and seeing. So with previous telescopes looking at light, we've been able to see the universe. But now with LIGO detecting gravitational waves, is it's if we can hear as well. And there's no telling what we'll hear. It's a very exciting new beginning. So was LIGO just looking for random signals, or was there something specific that they were looking for and found? Yeah. Well, not random. They were looking for merging black holes. So black holes are huge objects, but incredibly dense. So the black holes that they ended up seeing were about the size of Tucson, a little bigger, but they had the mass of 30 solar masses, 30 suns in the size of Tucson. And they were looking for black holes of maybe 10 solar masses. That's what people expected. But they found a pair that were much bigger. And they merged and formed an even bigger black hole. And that was a big surprise that black holes of that size existed. They weren't necessarily expecting it. But now we know they're out there. There had been searches for gravitational waves before. Has the technologies just gotten good enough now? Or did there just happen to be one chance event that we were able to see or hear? Well, I can't imagine it was just a chance event because it happened almost instantly when they turned on the detector. Uh, and yeah, it's the technology. The technology development has been going back 50 years now. LIGO itself was first built in an initial LIGO phase, which was not as sensitive. And then they took it offline. They upgraded the suspension systems, improved the lasers and so forth, and got it three times more sensitive. And it could see this. And so exactly what is LIGO? Well, LIGO stands for the Laser Interferometer Gravitational Wave Antenna. It's a mouthful, but basically it uses lasers bounced off of mirrors to create interference patterns when the lasers intersect, and that measures very precisely the distance between the mirrors, which is what the gravitational wave affects as it passes through them. And how precisely does it measure that? Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's something like one one-thousandth of a proton diameter, mind-bogglingly accurate distances. And I understand that you have a new paper coming out, and I believe the title is In Spiral Into Gargantua, which does not sound like the typical title of a scientific paper. Could you explain how that title came up? Yeah, it was really fun. So this paper is about black holes that spin incredibly fast. Black holes can spin at the fundamental limit where their surface is effectively going the speed of light, but no faster. And no one knows exactly how close they can get to this limit. So we predicted what the gravitational wave signal would look like if a black hole were spinning extremely near this limit. Now, why is it called In Spiral Into Gargantua? Well, there's a movie, Interstellar, where there's a big black hole called Gargantua. And Kip Thorne, who's an executive producer on the movie, a world-renowned astrophysicist, and one of the 
founders of LIGO, soon to be a Nobel laureate probably, he wrote a popular book stating that Gargantua, the black hole in the movie, has to spin at 99.9999999999, 14 nines the speed of light. And we figured out what the gravitational waves from a black hole like that would look like. And how are, would those be different from the gravitational waves that were detected? Yeah, so remember I said it's kind of like hearing rather than seeing. In fact, if you're a LIGO aficionado, you may have heard the recording of what the event they heard sounded like. It's something like It's a little chirp at the end. So that was for black holes that weren't spinning very fast. If you make one of the black holes spin incredibly fast like Gargantua, instead of going it goes It just saturates and falls off. Quite musical. So what other gravitational effects are they expecting to be able to see with LIGO? Oh, all kinds of stuff. So you can see merging neutron stars, which are very dense stars, but not quite black holes. You could see gravitational waves from supernova explosions. You could see gravitational waves from mountains on neutron stars that are rotating so fast the mountains effectively radiate. And most importantly, surprises, things we haven't thought about. When you open up a new window on the universe, you always learn new things. General relativity seems very remote to a lot of people. Uh, it seems remote to me, even though I have taken some physics courses. But how do you, as a, an expert in general relativity, visualize general relativity? How do you wrap your mind around it? Yeah, well, it's tricky to visualize because in general relativity, you combine space and time into a four-dimensional space-time. So nobody can really visualize four dimensions. But what we do is we leave off one or two of the spatial dimensions, and then we draw pictures with time going up on the blackboard. Doesn't mean time really goes up, but we've all agreed to draw time going up, and we all have this shared picture in our head, and we can talk to each other as if it is you know, really visualizing something real, when in fact, it's just so we can have a window onto the math besides the math itself. And when you work on a problem, do you really think of it more in terms of the math or in terms of physical underpinnings to the math or some combination? Yeah, it's a combination. That's the fun thing. I mean, sometimes you use physical intuition to learn new math, and sometimes you do math and it startles you and shocks you and you find something physically unexpected. Like this Gargantua project, we did not expect to see this kind of strikingly different signal, but we did. All right. Well, thank you, Sam. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Listen to this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science.